Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back, y'all. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I mean, I feel like a sunflower. Yeah. You know, it rained and rained and rained. And now that it's finally sunny and nice out, I feel so much better. It's so nice out. It's so sunny and hot. And I love that I get to wear shorts. Oh. And I love that I get to go for like hikes and like, you know, and like tank tops. It's lovely. Yeah, it's I know. Fun. When we recorded today, I was like, oh, we're all in tank tops. Look at us. We're all cute. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm a little pale to wear this right now, but I don't care. <laughs> Did not bring enough clothes with me here. So <laughs> and a weird season to bring, to bring clothes. <laughs> so hard to pack during. Yeah. God. Well, oh well. What's going on with you, Corinne? Uh, too much, you know. Spiking around a lot, hanging around a lot. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, people that are listening, have you gotten your vaccine yet? No. Go online and book it. Thank you. That's all we're talking about it today. Jibs in arms. Jibs in arms. Jibs in arms. Go get jabbed. Go get jabbed. The quicker we get jabbed, the quicker we can all have a rave dance party. The quicker we can drink at dive bars. Ugh. The quicker we can um, do shots of Jameson together. Make out um, with strangers. The quicker we can make out with strangers. <laughs> my, my favorite pastime. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I love that the like anthem for summer right now is like waxed and waxed. Vax and waxed, exactly. <laughs> Get it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so yeah, go get your, go online, go get books, stop putting it off, call right now. I literally called Ontario's booking facility this morning because I had to call about, cause I'm going to get my one shot in Manitoba and my one shot in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And it, I was on hold for under four minutes. So That's you're great. not going to be on, you can also book online, but you can also call them and you can get booked in real quick. So call right now, go online, go to Ontario, COVID-19, you'll mm-hmm. get booked in. Do it. Do it. There are sites all over the city, mass vaccination clinics, neighborhood hubs, community clinics. Do it. Mm-hmm. There's re- people are really putting in the work to like make sure we get people safe and back to normal. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That being said, Corinne, you had something you wanted to share with us. Yes. My good friend Carmen, who I also work with at Bar 3, put out this link on our Instagram and she sent it to me. It is the Canadian Artists and Content Creators Economic Survey. So the Canadian government is putting out this survey from the Department of Heritage asking artists to participate. Um, it's open from May 10th to June 18th. It takes approximately 15 minutes, voluntary mm-hmm. and anonymous. Anyone in Canada age 16 or older who does creative artistic work as an important, wow, component to their professional identity, whether on their own time, freelance or with organizations, either full-time or alongside other jobs, wow, at any point in their career can participate. So I think this is important because it might have to do, it might have to help with funding. What kind of funds get allocated to different uh, sectors of art? So like as many people as possible to participate would probably be as helpful as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's that description that I just fumbled through <laughs> sounds really open-ended to me. So like if you at all are creative, I think you should participate in this. Totally. It will be linked in our podcast info. Yes. Link in bio in our link tree. I will put it there right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So go do that. Go get vaccinated. Go online. Go outside for a walk. 
<laughs> and also if you're clicking on the link in our bio our patreon link is also there it's right next to the link it's literally like less than like a muscle movement away yeah join the gal pals join the gal pals patreon you get a cute card you get a cute thing and you know not for nothing maybe we'll be having some cool events maybe you know when people are vaccinated we'll be able to do something cool yeah so go online you'll be the first to find out Oh, this week. This week we have Ben and Jermaine, which are two members who are two members from Curtain Up. If you aren't not familiar with Curtain Up, it is an organization, a movement that was started on um, World Theater Day. Go to their Instagram and check them out. It's a really, really awesome movement that's starting and it's a really great group of people. Yeah. Um, I think if you've been listening to the podcast for any period of time, you've hear, heard me and Rainey talk about arts institutions and going to school for art and like what kind of bullshit that was. So it feels very <laughs> inspiring to listen to people just coming out of art school, doing something about it and like really taking a stand. Of course, of mm -hmm. course. Yeah, you know, and you know, maybe it's really important because, you know, arts institutions shouldn't have the power to like make you feel this way. And you know, maybe if University of Calgary didn't make me and Corinne feel this way, maybe we would be, we would feel a little bit better, but. <laughs> Instead, you get a podcast. So, with <laughs> that being trauma, said, <laughs> <out> of trauma. <laughs> oh, it's fun to laugh when you're sad. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's go. Hi, my name is Jermaine Conti. Uh, I use she they pronouns. I am an actor, a singer, a mover, and a lover of revolution, and a believer in love. Uh, I'm Ben Page. My pronouns are they them. I'm an actor, um, I'm a unique mover, uh, musician, writer, and uh, uh, together we're part of Curtain Up. Okay, well, Jermaine and Ben, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so excited to have you. Um, so thank you, you for having us. Oh, yeah. yay. We're um, you two are part of the Curtain Up, and I'm going to call it a movement. Is that what you would describe it as? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you two are part of the Curtain Up Movement organization that began, in, from my understanding, like a few months ago, like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Can we give you the brief, yeah. like origin <laughs> yeah, yeah. story? So to of speak? course. Yeah. Um, so really, um, at the start of uh, this school, okay. Look, let me back up. Ben and I know each other um, from our alma mater. We went to the same um, music theater program. And so um, that's how we like knew each other. We got to know each other um, in artistic educational spaces, uh, which is really interesting. But anyway, so flash forward then, um, it's last April, we've graduated and I think any artist who has tried to like study their art form understands that as soon as you do that there's difficulties right and um, challenges and nuances that make the institutionalization of artistry so difficult on the artist right so um yeah uh, flash forward to uh april we've graduated and then it's september and um our alma mater had um, quite a reckoning last um, summer when it came to uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, specifically um, some grave accounts of anti-Black racism coming forward and um, other types of, of racism. Um, 
so at the start of this past school year, I uh, joined a, a team of, of people that was um, really working to start a new page, a, a fresh footing, so to speak. Um, and so my, my job, um, I started by trying to understand, you know, okay, how do things how do things break down um, within these educational spaces? So that's what I spent um, uh, the first semester doing um, through observation, interviewing marginalized students, like specifically, I tried to interview um, every racialized student if I could. Um, and after that, what I realized was that the inequities, the um, oppression that we know show, shows up in these institutional spaces um, are not just like issues or things that are producing themselves in like on like little fire levels. I think often when we think about like um, equity related issues, we think about them as like small fires happening in, in, in separate silos, as opposed to perhaps like a larger storm that is happening. Um, so, uh, at my work at Sheridan, understanding the systemic nature of, um, these problems, I basically felt like I was at my wit's end and I reached out to the community and I was like, I'm only one person <laughs> and all of you are alumni, current students, like industry people that I love and trust, like, this is what is reproducing itself. This is how um, systems are actually like built to keep the people experiencing um, harm and oppression separate from each other, unheard by their actual institutions. So yeah, I basically just, I was like, y'all, I need support. <laughs> and um, like the lovely artistic community that we have, a lot, a lot of people showed up and, um, heard that call. So basically what was supposed to be um, a session that was called to provide answers for like one specific um, set of problems or like situations that I was navigating, that conversation um, became about like arts education in general, what's producing itself um, across this country. And then from there, it's just kept going in terms of um, the very wide scope of what's actually happening here. So, so um, after that first uh, community conversation, um, I guess, and I'll, I'll throw it to Ben now. Um, and Ben, do you want to just talk about like, I guess, like World Theater Day? And then like, yeah. after mm -hmm. that, you know? Well, and, and like one thing that I want to add too on that was, was we realized like the big issue here was that there was no way for Jermaine in her official position to follow through any of these complaints um, mm -hmm. because the structures lack, they, they don't have space for that. Um, and that's by design in some ways. And in some ways it's by, it's, it's just, it's, um, negligence and like not uh, it, they just didn't account for these sort of things and that's why a lot of schools are built because schools are making money by being schools um and complaints cost money um but so we realized that like the greatest way for us to you know create a system of accountability was through community organizing 
Um, and that's, it's, it's the same like across Canada and internationally as we've realized. Mm -hmm. um, the really cool thing about World Theatre Day was we had, I mean, I, we're not part of the social, I don't touch social media. I try to stay away as much as possible <laughs> for mental health, for all of the good things. Um, but we like, we had our, our analytics showed that our hashtag reached like 7,000 accounts in the span of a day. And this was our first day posting as an, as a, like a, a, a organization, I guess. Um, and so we reached a bunch of different movements across Canada and other specifically the, the, because it was focused on World Theatre Day, a lot of other theater schools. And this is something that we, <laughs> anyone who goes to theater school kind of knows that there's like a baseline toxicity yeah. that yeah. you just, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, and um, partly cooked into the fact that you're like competing against like 20 people mm -hmm. at once. And mm -hmm. the, like the art form itself has been so dominated by, Oh like my god! Type of person, yeah. Sector, yeah, one Absolutely. sector, um, yeah. which is like also almost exclusively written by like white gay Jewish men, <laughs> which is like also a hilarious like the 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 cultural um, foundation for that is is hilarious and unique. But also, then you come up with this incredibly like narrow point of view for like an entire art form. So mm -hmm. like building a school around that has had like you sort of realize I mean um I, I mentioned this a little bit in my my thing but like of course the moment I come out of theater school the moment I'm like stop performing is like the moment that I'm sitting there in my couch playing Animal Crossing and going like oh shit I'm not a man <laughs> and like Absolutely. because it's, it's because you're not in you're not in that in that environment um anyway that was totally a okay. tangent um <laughs> Where was I? Where did I start with this? I, was... I mean, um, we I can World get... Theater Day. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. I was just going to ask, which might help. Mm -hmm. um, so what was the original post on the Curtain Up, like, Instagram? What was the thing that got all those 7,000 profile hits? Yeah. Uh, it was um, It was sort of a, a call to action. Like, take this, instead of posting, you know, whatever musical that you were in a few years ago, take it uh like we're, we're like we're making a bed sort of for people to lay out like and show solidarity and support of like similar to like working off of the foundation mm -hmm. of the me too movement mm -hmm. you know like these social media campaigns that have like been able to add some sort of relief to give like to voice people's to to voice um people's trauma so that you can sort of start to move on and you can you can start to see that other people you're not alone in the fight um mm -hmm. so it was yeah uh, calling out and asking for people to share um, um a moment in there we were trying to open it up even from the beginning to not just be about theater but arts education that um you know stuck with them and and uh there was a there was uh, I believe the, the, the prompt during my time in mm -hmm. school, I think. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so how, how many people are involved in, in Curtain Up? Like how many Whoa. people are email, how many people are, you know, similar positions to you two or um, running social media or how many people has it, mm -hmm. how many people are in the organization? Right um, now, mm -hmm. like 
Oh, sorry. You go. You go for it, Ben. I was gonna say like there's there's like a core team of maybe twelve or fifteen people. Um, but we have like, we, the way that we've sort of structured, because our, our goal in this is to create a community basis that decides unanimously, like our, um, our direction and what we're fighting for. Mm -hmm. So we'll usually, we have the core team about 10, 15 people. Um, and then those will result in town halls where we'll go up upwards of 40 attendants. Um, generally i mean as like as the calls have as as you go on longer you know numbers drop and dip and come back up depending on when but that's sort of i would say we have about a consistent 40 members of the community thus far wow that's Mm -hmm. huge we were wondering just because when we emailed i think we were speaking Mm -hmm. to zach and so we were just wondering like how how it worked out that like zach was like Jermaine and Ben, that's who you should speak to. So we were like, just wondering about like what, what the positions are or like what the dynamic is within the group. Like, like, do you act as kind of like, um, like, do you kind of like act as the person that's like initiate because you kind of initiated that original conversation? Do you act as kind of like the go, the point person on, on stuff often or? Yeah. Like in, in another interview, I would refer to myself as kind of like the matriarch yes. or like, like, <laughs> like a mother. It's like, I, I like put it into action and then, yeah. so I, I guess now, you know, I, I am in that position where, um, a lot of the, the strategic, a lot of like the brains and the, how do we get yeah. the thing to happen? Um, that does, you know, come from, from my brain, but then it's also acknowledging like, um, I have, I think I've spent oh wow time flies it's been almost two through almost three years now that I've been studying the institutionalization of diversity mm. um and um also just a broader research topic is um mm-hmm. how a dominant culture maintains its power and mm-hmm. um so looking at specifically like in music theater performance mm-hmm. how does the white dominant culture maintain its power and then how is that translating and affecting um education so i um i should say as a as a community like our our core values we really 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 do believe in like what it means to try to make ourselves a, a decolonial space mm-hmm. so in terms of like leadership like yes although i set this into motion and i happen to have been like reading some books for a couple of years I don't consider myself like right. above any totally. other no, no. person in this yeah. like movement or organization. And then, cause the other thing that I've seen is just like, <laughs> what's in my brain. It's mm-hmm. just one, right. I'm mm-hmm. only one person. I'm so limited by, I can only go as far as what I can see. Right. But mm-hmm. then as soon as you open things up and you say, okay, this is where I'm lacking, or maybe as a, as a group in order to go forward and have the change that we want, we need someone who is capable of doing this and, or this. So, um, in terms of like how it works, I would say we have, um, a core team of, of people, which I would say is myself and Ben and, and Zach have been like really instrumental on like, when stuff hits the fan, like those are like the point, like, what do we do? You know? So I would say that that's the three of us. And then, um, we are working in, in like conjunction and collaboration with other community organizers, other allies, other, um, 
like orgs in this country that are doing the same work. Mm -hmm. So we, but then we also have to acknowledge that like doing this work comes with consequences. So to protect their identities, we filter the information and collaboration through them so we can still get their help and then um, kind of like share it with the rest of our community from a standpoint of like, okay, let's now all go forward to action this together. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just talked about like, because there is that filtering system and because mm-hmm. it is shared largely on social media. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to get into like the nitty gritty of like, because it's on social media and because, you know, they're anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you all know, but it is anonymous to, you know, anyone else that follows you. Yeah. Um, have there been, or are there stories you worry about <laughs> posting due to legalities or people involved? And then how do you kind of deal with that as a core group? I, oh, I think, I think that like, yeah, legality, that's a huge thing that we're always yeah. worried about because, uh, hello, I'm a 23 year old, <laughs> like just vibing. I don't know. I don't know anything about anything, the legal system, mm-hmm. but what I do know is injustice. Mm-hmm. What I do know is inequality. What I do know is um, misrepresentation. Mm-hmm. And I can recognize all of those things. But where it becomes very technical is that, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. You, from outside of the legal sphere, it can be very hard to know what you can and cannot say. So um, I know that initially we, we had a lot of conversations when we were like making the prompt for, for World Theater Day. We were like, should um you know should people name institutions should people name names because that's a lot of the time you know where you get into like tripping up with um legality and stuff right so um I I can say like you know we've we've committed to posting everything that is sent our way so Mm -hmm. there there won't be anything that we won't um share and like we're one of the things we're working right now is to like Oh, slash like this is a, an open call if you're like someone that like knows the legal world and would like to give some of your time to support um we would love a consultation <laughs> but um going on to say yeah we, we committed to posting these stories because they need to be heard so we have the full intention of, of doing that mm-hmm. but going forward um now the next step is okay how do we take um these accounts take these stories mm-hmm. and then um focus the interest the uh, the attention and the very real vulnerability the very real hurt how do we channel all of those things to one unique pressure point mm-hmm. for action so that's actually the stage that we're in right now we we announced publicly we have um a sit down conversation coming with um, the incoming Dean of the Faculty of Animation, Arts and Design at Sheridan, as well as the incoming Associate Dean. And um, that's going to be taking place mid-July. But we're hoping that, you know, before that, to be able to um, give them an actual understanding of the scope of this issue, we need to continue breaking that silence, to continue um, uniting and um, providing a mm. platform for for these uh, folks to be heard and mm. I, I just wanted to like add to something that Ben had said before like as soon as you understand that literally institutions were founded 
by like in the belief that of the negation of humanity of like a whole bunch of people that are now having to be in those institutional spaces mm -hmm. as soon as you acknowledge that like oh wait a minute actually this university was founded on the assertion that I am not a human being whoa once you understand that that really really changes um how you see what needs to be done and what needs to shift so one of the main issues here is that um any equity seeker can tell you this the first thing is you're always being forced to prove the existence of the problem prove the existence of the problem prove the existence of the problem and that's because like i said these institutions were not set up to ever consider anyone that doesn't happen to stand at the center of you know uh the white supremacist structure totally right right so um so you're yes so i just to like clarify what you're saying is that if you're not mm -hmm. like a white man mm -hmm. <laughs> you are essentially that was what the institutions were built on is being a exactly. white man and if yeah. any time and like we've learned in racism in the past in anything that happens in the past as soon as there's push ahead there's push back yeah. with something exactly yeah exactly exactly okay. Exactly. And, you know, why intersectionality is so much mm -hmm. a part of this. It's that like, no, it's not just the racialized. It's not just the neurodiverse students. Right. It's not just the physically disabled students. It's not, you know, it's not just the people that are the most on the margins that this is mm -hmm. costing. Right. Um, oppression costs literally everybody, everybody mm -hmm. that's going to step into that institution because. Yeah imagine you know when we're only centering one group of people one like you know checklist of characteristics mm -hmm. everybody's training suffers everybody's quality of education suffers because then just as much as like i left theater school and had like no idea about the wealth of like black art right. ben also left theater school as an artist and was not able to be enriched by like you know what many black people have offered right. this form so like you know as a society it ends yeah. up costing all of us totally mm -hmm. so when then we look at like when we look at traditional theater school or art school models do you the difference between like conservatory and academic do you consider them the same in this conversation mm. you see and then, then that's another really nuanced thing to talk about too because yeah. Um, I see the difference between like, like specifically mm -hmm. in Canada, one of the issues with arts education is that it's um, privatized. Yes. So the things that, you know, we could do to apply change into like, say, um, one institution or one group, uh, one group of institutions, none of those measures are going to apply to right. another group. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's the same when it comes to um, like a conservatory based model versus like um, an academic based model. I do think it's like in my research of like, okay, because part of what this work has um, included is like writing, you know, quite detailed like recommendations for reforms to some of the institutions that mm -hmm. we're getting in touch with saying um hey here are the things that we're flagging as issues with your current equity um efforts and here are some suggestions that we're 
making for like how this in, how this institution can can change structurally. So that's been a part of it. But in doing that, um, we've been able to see that it's possible around the world. There are very many um, institutions that have had you know, the same bunch of public reckonings that a bunch of Canadian uh, universities and colleges have had uh, this past year. But the difference being that they're responding in such an incredibly like open facing way um, and proactive way. So much so that I on this side of the world could like access public frameworks and like a, a full in detail like anti-racist action plan for some of these universities. And so, and it was some of those models that I went and said like, hey, here's a link. You right. might want to like take a look at that. Some like real follow. world examples. So yeah, totally. Exactly. So, so yeah, that's my long-winded <laughs> way of saying like, it's, it's nuanced totally. and it's complicated, but it's possible to be done in both spheres. I'd also, I'd also love to add that I, I think the root issue lies not with like not just with the ways because obviously there are there are ways there are yes. problems with how how specific classrooms are run but these large bodies uh, like as a, anyone who builds any sort of organization or institution where now instead of two people you've got seven people like things take more time things are right. things become more rigid really really quickly and it's way easier to be rigid than mm -hmm. responsive and mm. and fluid. And so, but that's part of the issue with these um, like billion or in million dollar, billion dollar industry that is the post-secondary privatized uh, education is that it's right. really convenient to be rigid. It's really It's really convenient to take too long to respond because they've also got, they've got the, they have to respond for the the board of governors they have to wait like everything has to be approved by x y and z person um and it's these systems that ultimately backfire in a lot of ways because not enough change gets done or the right kind of change mm -hmm. doesn't get done it things mm. get cherry picked oftentimes where if we need universal reform we get three things but it doesn't work without everything like that and and that so much ends up being the issue is these they're they're sort of non-democratic in that way um and it's hard to be a student um without like without any real sway in the in the uh in the way that yeah. the school works who's in your corner it's yeah. so big who's right. in yeah. your corner yeah um and even like it's gotten even harder like in the last change in the ontario government it's now you've what was once an opt out of being in a student union is now an opt in and student unions just keep mm -hmm. getting slashed yeah. and, and like pushed into obscurity, um, which like the history of, of schools and, and teacher unions and student unions working in collaboration no. and in opposition doesn't exist anymore because student unions, even at the larger institutions like Ryerson U of T aren't necessarily what they used to be. Right. And as we've seen is like, right. we have a government that is very much anti-union, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh uh yeah so then so it, yeah it's exactly what ben is saying it's like so then you add on top of that you know just the the way that the structure itself is built to not support you know any of this change from going forward then you add on top of that just the um 
the analytics of uh, socioeconomic status, right? We know for a fact, when you end up making it into some of these high, like high level arts institutions, as a, as a racialized person, as you know, one of like any other marginalized group I mentioned, oh my God, for you to like arrive in that space is almost a miracle. And just in terms of what you have to mm-hmm. overcome um, structurally, in terms of what you're fighting against to get there. And then, so then to fight is another s- struggle is another, or to say anything. Is another struggle. And, and that's what yeah. I was going to say. It's also that, you know, you, once you get there, you know that, oh, any justice, any equity I want rests entirely and solely on my shoulders. What an mm-hmm. incredible burden to be carrying. So now you're not just going through theater school. You're also thinking, um, how do I correct over 20 years of compounded hatred um, so that I can exist in this space freely, you know? And then you're, you're doing that while not connected to other racialized people that are living through the same thing at the same institution because the struggle of living it takes all of your effort. You have no time to put your head up and get connected to the people that are living through the same things as you are, you know? So similarly to, to Ben's point, I had to leave school to realize that some of my classmates were like living through the exact same shit, you know? Um, I, I think that we could say that these type of systemic problems happen mm-hmm. with not just arts and theater school, though, these are happening with other yeah. types of programs throughout institutions. So I, I just, my question is like, why is it, why does it feel like with theater school, with any types of arts program school, it's mm. so much more um, uh, personal? I, I think really like, like gut instinct, it's because we have to be incredibly vulnerable in those spaces. <laughs> I there's a meme that I saw like keep yep. getting passed around while I was in school that was like oh you think kinesiology is hard I had to cry about my dad at 8 30 in the morning like you know like because that's what <laughs> theater school feels like a lot of the time it's like you're rolling on the ground you're like you're also <laughs> like in, especially in these like conservatory programs you know there's like 20 people yep. half of them have slept mm-hmm. together and like you're there for like three and a half to four years mm-hmm. together. So like there is uh, an incredible amount of vulnerability that comes into the classroom. Right. Um, mm. And then on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kinesiology students aren't getting up and, you know, we're reading <laughs> monologues to each other all the time or like no. trying to sing in front of each other. Right. <laughs> and, and like so much of art has right. to do with you as a person. I mean, your art isn't. The only thing about you as a person but it it your art comes from you and mm-hmm. yeah it comes through you and so, i think that there's oh sorry ben continue no 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 please and i i just think that there is because you're dealing with so many um you know personal and so much inner trauma inner personal mm-hmm. feelings i think that when it comes to the people that are leading you that are supposed to be these mentors or professors often they get it gets taken advantage of from this high up Mm -hmm. individual Mm -hmm. and i think that that i personally think that in theater school it's like they need to re i mean it's the entire institution Mm -hmm. obviously but it's also the professors that often are affecting you more than the people that are you know at the head of the department just answering emails oh absolutely right and like 
to that, I would say, like, the thing I want to add to this is that the difference between, I would argue, any other, like, degree or educational path is that it's not based completely on subjectivity. Yes. That's, that's what yes. art is, Good point. right? <laughs> art is, like, built to yeah. be interpreted. So, like, of course, mm-hmm. as a kinesiology student, there's a right and a wrong way to do things. And it's very clear because the actual like thing that you're studying necessitates that it's black and white. Yeah. But the problem here and why we chose, or personally, why I'm zeroing in on arts education is that how do you make an artist? You need to encourage people that ask questions, uh, are innovators, mm-hmm. do things differently, bring right all of their nuanced and different experiences into the room so you're actually making something right um so that there's actually like something to be interpreted something to be felt and realized and so that's the biggest problem or disconnect i see i think we have a bunch of arts institutions that are making um replicators and not creators Mm -hmm. Totally. By nature mm-hmm. of, of how we, we stifle the individual at every turn because of these, these structural problems. Yes. Right. And you see that in like mottos that all, every single theater person, dancer, you know, actor, everybody has heard, which is in the freshman year, in the first year, you hear, you always hear break you down to build you up. Exactly. Which is an outdated <laughs> model. What that does like, that mean? I, it's just, it's so hurtful in so many ways. It's like, you're trying to, you know, take away the individualism, individualism Mm -hmm. of the human being. And it's also just like a model, a model that shouldn't, should never have been a thing. Like, why do we want to break people down? Why do we want to make people feel upset? Absolutely. Why do we want to hurt people? You know? But, but I think that logic comes from And again, this is what I mean. And I've been trying to like tell all of my students this, like when they come to me with these very painful accounts of marginalization, I remind them that institutions, theaters, any money that is trying to incentivize art, anybody that's trying to incentivize art will want to convince you that the industry, artistry, the craft are are all things that are separate from you. But like the thing I keep reminding them is, and this is what indigenous populations have known for centuries. This is what like literally every other culture other than like the Eurocentric model has known. But it's the artistry. You can't, it has never belonged to any one individual or any one institution or any one theater. What one prof will say about you doesn't matter because the art yeah. belongs to you. You are your own artist, right? And I think it's time as a group of people, as a collective, like if we just take theater, for example, can we imagine how different our artistic spaces would be if we as actors walked into every single room with that level of like belief in personal agency and like personal power? Whoa, yeah. you know? <laughs> I am the industry. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is something with Jermaine and I have talked about this concept because we're also we're collaborators in in writing as well. And this idea of like of letting creativity mm. act through you, um, like 
also did exist in European, like white European, right, that's the, the muse. That you're is right, the whole idea. Right. <laughs> and like, so, so it, it's become like, and, and this is something that I struggle with a lot where I'm like, man, I'm so grateful and like immensely so that I get to make art for a living and like it's supporting me. Also, I wish it wasn't my job because I like, it's just something that I want to do. It's not something that I want to have to like apply for grants and do the ring run around. Like I, I just want to sing. I like singing. <laughs> Can't that be it? Yeah, that feels like the eternal struggle, though, right? It's so, especially mm -hmm. in a capitalist world that requires you to act in such a way to like exist inside of it. Oh my god! And to be Marketable. marketable, and to know what you're gonna do, which also is so like <laughs> it is antithetical to creating. Is like the so what are you gonna make for me? It's like that's well, I exactly, don't know. That's why I'm. That's <laughs> what it's. It's I'm making it. That's why. Anyways, yeah. yeah. <laughs> figuring it out figuring it out totally because you submit something mm -hmm. i mean like when you apply for a grant or you any you submit something that's so you and it has your whole heart to it and then a group of people just go mm, nah yeah i don't group know if i can make, i don't know if which bottom which, line is sir i don't think i'm making a lot of money off of that you know yes totally <laughs> which to be honest with you is essentially how all tv networks work right right mm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. have you ever met anyone either of you that hasn't had a traumatic experience in theater school <laughs> it's a tough question to answer because, because what is trauma? trauma well and yeah. like speaking from personal experience like i did i i had <laughs> i was the cis white straight male that i was never but like I was so much of the things that theater school wants you right. to be. Um, and like, so, but, e and so like part of my own journey and this has been like going and like, what was I, like, what was that moment? Is that trauma? Mm. I think it is. Totally. But even, so like, there's mm. this sort of, um, it, it's, and, and sort of like Jermaine was saying before, like oppression right. affects everyone. Um, and like, there are, and so much of what white supremacy and like wants you to believe is that you you also align with its values. Mm -hmm. You also agree in in mm -hmm. even a evenly laid oppression. Mm -hmm. Like, and so um, I think a lot of I think <laughs> I don't want to speak for anyone generally, but like I think the people who who don't think that they have are going to find like uh, it, that is going to come out somewhere. Um, because you're also witnessing trauma and that's, that's traumatic too. Um, you're being a bystander mm -hmm. to trauma mm -hmm. often and you're yes. like forced into mm -hmm. the by bystander position, right? Because to be outspoken in a theater school is not something you should ever do and according some, to everybody else. <laughs> not something that is ever, no one ever has time for is the other, like yeah, another, no. by being too busy, by never having enough time or money, mm -hmm. we're like also enabling this stuff. It, right. it encourages you to be a bystander. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about like, you know, the bad parts of institutions and, you know, that we could list forever and ever and ever. Um, but there are a few, you know, professors or a few people in theater schools that are just lovely, that often act as allies for everybody. 
what def what qualities did they have to like if we're trying to think about bettering people bettering professors bettering teachers what are the qualities that people you found as allies have that you think that those qualities should carry on throughout the entire program mm -hmm. the first word that jumps out is accommodation um mm -hmm. and accessibility mm -hmm. meeting where you meeting you Huge. where you are because also for an arts institution that is so it's you can't create unless you are where you are um you can't create for someone else or for who you are three years ago or three years from now you have to know how to be in your body and your time and so a professor that um like i when i when i think of the teachers who like who felt like my teaching was personal was it was for me to benefit what i needed and also if i wasn't going to do part of that assignment because it wasn't useful then it wasn't useful but they understood the, the totally. greater sense of my education um mm, that's mm -hmm. one thing that's a great mm. point mm. yeah i think like i'm gonna sum up what i want to say by all of all of the educators that have deeply moved me they all have this ability to radically decenter themselves and what i mean by that is like you know okay i'm kenyan by background and so like culturally um the role of teacher oh my god it's a it's such a deeply revered thing in the community because it's understood that that is like like what a position of power what a privilege to have minds that are ready to be molded and are so like ready to accept whatever it is you're willing to offer them but but even though it is a position that is regarded with a lot of power and privilege it's also a position that is considered mm -hmm. one of the most direct acts of service um because it's taught that as a as a leader as someone standing at the front it's your job to be you know last person to speak to be listening more than your than your lecturing to be you know to be um uh almost the the observer more than you are you know putting yourself in the center of the action and that's because how do you determine your success as a teacher it's you don't you don't say mm -hmm. I, you don't mm -hmm. make yourself a good teacher it's your students it's their ability to learn to grow to exceed to be to realize their full potential that that validates you in in you know who you are in your vocation so that's what i would say if you are in the center of your own teaching get out of your get out of your way if if you're not considering how your pedagogy your curriculum your classroom your way of teaching affects anyone else except for the group of people you belong to uh-oh <laughs> should you be a teacher or should you be delivering this as a monologue oh man that just makes me think of a lot of people that have some pretty big egos and some at the front of classrooms and studios Absolutely. And that's exactly why when like, even with all of the love in my heart, when, because really 
that's what reform is. That's what revolution is. That's what call outs are. They're the deepest act of love. But if you're someone standing in the, in the front of the room and you're at the center of this classroom and I say very out of all the love in my heart, like because I love this art form and, and because I, I see what you offer, here's a little, can you maybe just make this one adjustment so I can show up mm -hmm. in this space? That's why, of course, if you're taking up all the space in that room, whatever it is I'm asking, regardless how generous, how justified, how legitimate, not going to seem mm. worth mm -hmm. your time and, and one thing that i want to i want to say just uh to voice it is we in, before we were focusing very much on the institution and not talking a lot about um the harm that can be done by specific professors and positions of yeah. power um and that's that wasn't to uh mm. discredit that as like a significant source of harm but mostly because the mm -hmm. world the work that we've been engaging in we realize that that institutions are actually pretty happy to let people go. Um, you know, mm. they're they're fine with getting rid of the people, but what they don't like to do is change the way that they the the types of people that they introduce and you know and also what yeah. enabled those people to be there in the first place right. and to continue. It's the harder thing. Mm-hmm. The harder thing to do. Like you'd said earlier, like institutions are yeah. big, they're slow moving. Because what's harder, put out one fire or address the whole conditions in that ecosystem that allowed that fire to break out in the first place? Mm -hmm. Totally. With Curtain Up, how do you encourage to people for people to come forward without it being triggering to themselves and to others is my first mm -hmm. part of that question. Mm -hmm. And then also, actually, I'm just going to ask that, then I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my honest answer, so to speak, is like, so far we've, you know, we've had only one of those, um, like, uh, I guess, I don't know what to call it, campaigns where, you know, trauma is at the center. So in full transparency, you know, we were, when we conceptualized the first one, we didn't have time to think about that. And I think also part of it too, is we weren't anticipating that it would, it would be as far reaching as it was because the other thing is like when you think about you know trauma it's okay seven thousand people that's like compounded like amongst each of them right but yep. we didn't know we there was we didn't know that before we did it so um but since then a lot of our conversations have been about you know um and i i, I believe strongly in this it's that if the way that you're going about achieving your justice isn't um, something that is sustainable for the most marginalized of your movement. Uh oh, that's a red flag. So we've we've had a lot of those conversations very recently, and that's why um, as a we we've, we're starting to like spread out the space between when we post the accounts and when we post other content because we recognize yes we need to keep reckoning with these truths and um, the real face of the ugliness that exists in these institutions, but also for our sustainability, for our livelihood, for our personhood, um, we need other things. We need, to, we need to fill our cups. We need tools and resources. We need to laugh, oh my God, in, in <laughs> this world and this time, I've learned that like, no, making and holding space for joy, that is also a radical act of protest. 
as a, as a marginalized person, it is. So these are all the conversations that we've been having, you know, going forward we, as a movement, we need to be a movement that is sustainable for the most marginalized. Um, of course. Um, what are, because this movement has just started and it's on its way to be growing and growing and growing, um, what are your goals Ooh. for the whole thing? What is the, would you guys like to consult? In which case, how do you, because you said you're sending these things off to, you know, universities, like this is a link that you can check out. Should you then be asking for a consulting mm -hmm. fee? How have you had people approach you about that yet? What is, what is the process and how would you like to see the curtain up mm -hmm. organization grow? Um, uh, first, like, um, what we're like in terms of next immediate goals is find out, um, which we've started to do, but to continue to is who else is doing similar work? Um, how can we like put our minds together? Because ultimately this is the same, it's the same, it's the same fight. It's the same movement. It's an international one. I, I've, I've been in very loose talks with like, just like to hear about other international, um, like not theater schools, but other schools. Um, like just to find out like that's the first, first and foremost, got to know who else is doing this work. Um, and what, what maybe we're missing, what we, um, what our movement hasn't seen, what it hasn't addressed yet. And, and maybe even strategies of what mm -hmm. to ask for and, and how to go about it. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of consulting fees, mm -hmm. that's, it's a, this is a conversation we haven't had so much, but one of the other issues that comes up is like you can't avoid the fact that once you start taking money from these institutions you also are obligated to them in some way you have a, a form mm -hmm. of dependency um unless and and this is i i want to add mm -hmm. like i want to say i first i'll speak to like our okay no, i'll speak to a narrowed vision mm -hmm. and then broader vision um narrow vision adding on that point unless you work it out with them that you are going to work 100% as a third party organization that is only acting in the best interests of the students or you know whatever like group it is you're there specifically considering so um that was the the nature of um that was um the nature of like my position this past school year i was very clear off the top i was like um, yes, you are going to have to pay me to do this yeah. work because I'm not going to continue yeah. doing labor for free, but here are my terms. I, this is who I will center in, in my work and my allegiance is to them and to them only. Um, I, this is how I feel about institutions and institutionalism. I am anti-institution. I know that this institution was founded on the belief that I am not a full human being and I've lived the repercussions of those beliefs. So anyways, just being very clear, I call it building the container off of the top um, with exactly who we are, what we stand for and where our priorities are. I would be open if an institution hears all those things and goes, oh, we're game then I'm more than happy and more than willing to, you know, um, engage and, and help them be better. Now I want to speak to the, to the broader dream. What I would love Curtain Up to be is a watchdog organization for our marginalized uh, youth and uh, inside of these institutions. And not only youth, by the way, because what's 
being like what's happening on the side of students is also happening on like an educator to educator basis slash like an educator to admin basis as well right and as and like anyone who's a staff in the school janet's or like custodial staff and technical uh supervision like it's it's the whole thing the, the whole nine the whole kit and caboodle so so my my what dream is, would be that this could turn into like a one-stop shop like literally everyone that is like allied in wanting equity for individuals in institutional spaces here is where you would come to get engaged and mobilize and support other people doing that work that's what i would love um to finally be able to give these most vulnerable voices uh, a body behind them in the ring that's great um that's amazing. before we go corinne would you like to ask the question Ben, Jermaine, is being an artist fucking killing you? Uh, <laughs> Take I your think time. right. Yeah. <laughs> Answer however you want. There's no right the glasses on the forehead right now is like such a mood. <laughs> <laughs> I in in some way, I mean, uh, <laughs> we we had mentioned before the call, but Jermaine and I are also we're writing um a musical. It's called The Lobster Who Cried Person um with uh bad hats um and i would say right now being an artist is what's keeping me alive it's keeping me afloat but also there's this it's an incredible like the my all of my writer's block is so intrinsically tied to like the stress of also trying to to mobilize an, an organization mm. and like any sort of pushback any sort of like as soon as that, and that's part of the way that this becomes so pervasive, is like, I can barely do my work when things aren't good. Right. Um, and you like, you, man, if this isn't, if this isn't a world-class education of how to like keep writing, even when the world is going to shit, I can't even go outside <laughs> most days. My God. Oh boy. You know what? Right. I heard that we're going to be able to vaccinate as soon. So that's, um. I didn't answer the question. Is it killing me? Slowly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you got there. You got there. Um, you know, I, I guess I would give a, a similar answer to, to Ben. I would say it's funny. During the pandemic, it's been the thing that has killed me the most, but has also kept me the most alive. And um, yeah, I think that, yeah, it's because it's so hard can we just talk about how like antithetical um like trying to be a creator is to like you know when your body is like literally just in survival mode you know like we're we're just trying to be alive but i'm trying to be concerned about like mm, like what should this character's name be like do we like dogs <laughs> or should we go with dirk like which one's better you know it's like it seems it's almost like it can be it, it's it's a little what you can make your brain yeah. pop a little um totally. to, to be and trying to like to, to be trying to create when that feels like the absolute it should be the absolute last thing on your list you know but then right. i would argue that those moments when i feel that when i go as a person like Ugh, artistry is the last thing i need to be worried about right now those are actually the moments that i need my artistry the most um and I think about yeah like 
post George Floyd. It was like, like after all of these like big world things, you know, I always like mm -hmm. just completely flatline artistically. I'm like, oh, it hurts too much to feel and process and be open to like living out loud. But then in a cyclical way, that is also what we need to do the most when we don't want to do it. And yeah. So yeah, it's, it's killing me, but it's also keeping me alive. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for today. If people wanted to find um, the Instagram page for Curtain Up, can you let us know, or a website? Could you let us know what that is? Hmm. Right now we have, um, I believe we've launched our TikTok as well. Yeah. Uh, it's at Curtain Up 2021. Um, yeah. Yeah. And same on Instagram. The name, the year, the same on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Um, and we're working uh, on, you know, getting a more cohesive, like more details on the website uh, to come. Yeah. Um, oh, also, if anyone wanted to reach out to us about, like, if you are leading a movement or you know someone who is or wants to and doesn't know how to start and has an issue that needs to be heard. You can, you can DM, you can slide in the DMs. You can also email us at, at uh, curtainup2020 at gmail.com is our, is our, uh, our email. And yeah, I, like we, I, the, the best thing about it has been getting to like meet brilliant people um, who are passionate and like-minded. Like that community is also the same reason why I'm an artist. Mm. It's, there's, it's totally. so much the same. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you to so much for meeting with us today. If you liked what you heard, if you had any questions, reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can find us anywhere that you stalk your ex. And thank you all so much. Um, check us out on Patreon. We would love the support and go check up, go check out Curtain Up as soon as possible. <laughs>